Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, a kinder, gentler Buckeye Talk, at least for a day. Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Here's what we're going to do. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great Mother's Day. We're going to go through kind of off the Oregon podcast, not that we're revisiting that, but I researched the toughest non-conference games for Ohio State since Woody, starting with the Earl Bruce era. And I have great comments from the tech subscribers. And what we're going to try to do is put this Oregon game in context, okay? Um because there was a lot of strong reactions to the Oregon podcast last week. And some people were saying like, hey, you know, like the, the, the James Crepia really made Oregon sound like a difficult task. The heck with that. I, I think the Buckeyes are going to kill them. And some people are maybe legitimately worried about it. So I'm trying to figure out what this game is really going to be like. And I will tell you, dating back to 1979, there haven't been a million games like this for Ohio State, right? We know they often play like a good non-conference team, but I'm assuming Oregon's going to be ranked in the top 10 when Ohio State and Oregon play. And that doesn't happen all that much. So I did some research on that. We have great texture feelings about when have you been nervous about non-conference games. So I want to get context, context on Oregon. And it's just me for this one. Nathan is back this week. I'm a little behind. We're getting the Monday pod out to you later on Monday. Apologize for that. But we're figuring out some great plans for podcasts going forward. I will tell you this. Our guests this week for the Buffalo Preview Pod, we've done Bowling Green in Oregon. Our guest is going to be the Buffalo coach, Lance Leopold. I'm going to talk to him. So that's going to be fun. Get some insight from the Buffalo coach about what that week three game against the Buckeyes is going to be like. I really, really want to get a lot of texter questions on the Big Wednesday pod this week. We probably will do the Buffalo preview on Thursday as a standalone. Um, But we'll have Nathan and Steven back, uh, the three of us back together. Nathan's back from furlough. Uh, So they'll be back for the Tuesday pod. We're going to get a lot of questions. We're we're ramping up some ideas. Nathan has like a really good idea of some fun team stuff, some bold predictions we might try to do on podcasts and get our tech subscribers involved. So we're going to do Oregon, but first... Read us, cleveland.com slash OSU. Text subscribe, 614-350-3315. Ticking up a little bit. Appreciate everybody who's subscribing. And I will say, it's a 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month. I was going through, because sometimes when I do the tech subscriptions, 
I ask a question, then I go through the answers when I'm going to use them for the pod, like I did with Oregon. So some of the answers sat in there for a little bit, and I didn't read them. And I was going through some of those, and people send me other messages while I'm getting their answers about you know non-conference games. And I think I've been off the rails a little bit. There are at least two people in there who were, like felt I was insulting them, or I called them an idiot, or called their questions stupid on the pod, and I apologize for that. I can't. I can't. Got to get it out. Got to get my quarantine rage out in more productive ways. I don't know if you saw it on my Twitter account. We did it with my wife for Mother's Day on Sunday. My wife has what I call irrational, but lots of other people have been saying it's not irrational. Her dream is to knock food out of people's hands. So we put my two children in the backyard. We got a little Caesar's pizza. We got some popcorn that we don't really like. We got some stale pretzels. We got some drinks, like an old drink that my daughter wanted but then didn't want. And we had them stand there. We let my wife six or eight times run up to them and knock the food out of their hands. So I think I might need an outlet like that. I put it on Twitter. People seem to like it. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about this non-conference Oregon game. And then we're going to have a great week of podcasts for you from BuckeyeTalkAtCleveland.com. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. If you did not catch the Friday podcast, I highly recommend it. I have had some people say it's one of the best Buckeye talks they've heard. Kyle Rowland and Dave Briggs and I talking about Ohio State, Michigan, and Jim Harbaugh. So really make sure you catch the Friday pod. Here's some history when Doug researches things. Since 1979, in non-conference games, Ohio State has played 33 non-conference games, not bowl non-conference regular season games against ranked teams since 1979. They are 20-12-1 in those 33 games. They have played 12 games against teams that were ranked in the top 10, which is where I think Oregon's going to fit into this. They are 6-5-1 in those games against teams that were ranked in the top 10 at the time of the game. But I've had some people, some smart texters say they think this Oregon game could be like what I call the Nick Saban, Alabama, diabolical scheduling genius kind of game where it's a team that's highly ranked, has a good reputation, but really can't hang with you and gives you a good early season win that moves you up in the polls. And then by the end of the year, that team isn't as good as everybody thought, but you already absorbed a lot of the, you know, the quality opponent win from early on, and you end up ahead of the game, but you are never actually threatened. Some people think that Oregon could be this, and I think that's possible because I don't think they're quite in the category of the top, 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 top tier non-conference games that Ohio State has played, but I do think they're dangerous. And so here's the other thing. Beyond just where they were ranked at the time, right, I wanted to deal with where they wound up ranked, okay? Because of these non-conference games, I looked at all the teams that were ranked when they played Ohio State, non-conference games, and then how many of those teams ranked at the time actually finished up ranked in the top 25? 19 of those teams finished ranked, okay? Ten, uh, nine of those teams finished ranked in the top 10. Now, this is hard because if you lose to Ohio State, it's probably hard to finish in the top 10 in the country, right? But that's what I still think Oregon can be. So only nine times since 1979 did Ohio State play a non-conference game in the regular season against a team that wound up in the top 10. So this is not 
all that super common. And here are those great, great teams that they played in the non-conference. 1986, they lost to number nine, Alabama. Again, this is where they finished. 1987, they tied number five, LSU. 1989, they lose to number eight, USC. 1992, they beat number six, Syracuse. 2002, they beat number 10, Washington State. 2005, lose to Texas, who goes on to be undefeated and win the national championship. 2008, lose to number three, USC. 2016, beat number five, Oklahoma. Big playoff implications in that win for Ohio State. 2017, lose to number three, Oklahoma. Okay? That's top tier. I think Oregon is a cut below that. So let's get to where our texters have been the most nervous over time. And then we'll get to me at the end, what I sort of think about this, all right? Here's an interesting take from the 517. I get worried when we play any ranked team in the non-conference. TCU, Oklahoma, Oregon, etc. Since the Big Ten seems to never get anyone with the law and never get any team with the loss into the playoff, these non-conference games are must wins, right? So that I get if you feel like there's no room for error. I get that. From the 614, I think the first game that comes to mind for this person, what I asked the tech subscribers was the non-conference games as an Ohio State fan you were most nervous about. First one that comes to mind was Ohio State coming to the shoe. That was in 2009. Wanted that one bad and a chance for Ohio State to prove they could win the big one. Other one is at Oklahoma a few years ago. A lot of questions about the defense. Um, I know you didn't ask this, but I sent a text to, the fr- to a friend the other day that said, this is the biggest non-conference game in 10 years for the Buckeyes. A top 10 win early on the road silences any doubts, although there aren't many doubts, and it allows for a loss later because you have a major non-conference quality win. But on the other side, there isn't really a downside for the Buckeyes aside from a blowout, lose on the road to Oregon, and win the Big Ten, and you're still likely in. I think that is an interesting and probably correct analysis of this, right? How much this really matters. Marlon from the 734, I thought had a great outlook on this because part of this, and again, we're all assuming just for podcast sake that this is going to happen as planned. It's about going on the road early against a good team that you aren't familiar with. Marlon from the 734, the recipe for me to be nervous is a team with real national championship aspirations, meaning an Ohio State team with national championship aspirations, which this team obviously has, going on the road to play a legit team. 2006 at Texas, this season at Oregon are the two best examples. I think in 2016, and Marlon didn't say this, but you weren't necessarily at that point in 2016, having lost everybody off the 2015 team with how young they were. I don't think Ohio State went to Norman in 2016 with national championship aspirations. By the end of the year, they were in the playoff. But you weren't thinking about the 16 team the same way we're thinking about this 20 team. And Marlon says 2015 at Virginia Tech didn't scare me at all. So I think if you're looking at it from that standpoint, just on the road with a lot at stake against a good team, that again doesn't happen all the time. From the 740. Texas and USC were the games they were uh, worried the most about in the non-conference in their lifetime. Both at the time felt like monster games. For some reason, I'm not as worried about Oregon. And that I get because it's not, it's really not the same, okay? And I do think as as much as I think it's smart for Ohio State fans to respect Oregon, 
I'm not going to try to pretend that this is Vince Young, Texas, 2005, that this is Mark Sanchez, Ray Malaluga, USC in 2008, that this is Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma. It's not that. It's not. But it's the next level below from the 585, the non-conference game they're most worried about. Alabama in, oh wait, Saban doesn't play top 25 teams north of the Mason-Dixon line. The USC and Texas series jumped to mind from the Trestle era, especially um, since those games, often Ohio State is playing MAC teams or cupcakes in the rest of the non-conference. Those were essentially playoff games. I thought that was funny to take a shot. I'm being nice, right? I said I'm going to be chill. But still take a shot at Nick Saban. Um, this I thought was interesting. From the 916, Ohio State versus Cal in 2010 without Braxton Miller. What made you nervous at the time? This is an honest answer. I was in Northern California at the time, surrounded by Cal grad friends. My fate was in the hands of a backup quarterback. That's Tom from the class of 62. And Kenny Guyton came through. Another good one. For me, it was Oklahoma 1984. This is from the 713. We graduated from Ohio State in the late 70s and went to the very famous OSU OU game in Columbus. The students, my wife and I, were both working, and folks in Oklahoma were very cocky. They had Marcus Dupree as a preseason Heisman favorite. Keith Byers had a breakout game, and our defense smothered them 24-14. to We also attended an alumni dinner in Tulsa before the game where Woody and Archie spoke. It was a great experience, but I remember being very worried going to enemy territory with all that Oklahoma hype. I actually think that was 83. At number two, Oklahoma in 83, Ohio State wins 24-14. Oklahoma went on to finish eight and four that year. So a little bit of a paper tiger, right? That they were not, they were number two at the time they finished eight and four. But that helps. This is going back before my research, 813. 1977. I was 15 years old and Oklahoma came to the shoe. I was super nervous and for good reason. Uvi Von Shaman kicked a last-second field goal to win the game. I was crushed. Since then, I remember being really nervous before the Oklahoma game in 2016. Here's a point I think, well, you know what? Here's the thing. I think, you know, again, I'm trying to do more research for you people. And I enjoy doing it. But it's hard. Sometimes we only think about big games when their losses and we forget the big games that people were worried about and then we're like oh no it's fine no big deal this is worth remembering i think about the tcu game in 2018 419 my buddies and i once a year meet for buckeyes on the road and we went to the buckeye bar in austin texas for that tcu game in 2018 that game was Day's first big test as Earnham coach, and TCU was ranked 15th at the time. It was also just hard to tell how good we actually were, since we gave up 31 points to Oregon State in the opener and then played Rutgers with a relatively inexperienced quarterback, right? Young Dwayne. I am sure many people will probably say USC or Texas, but I was too young to fully realize the magnitude of those games. Side note, I don't know why, but I just get the biggest kick out of whatever you talk about Jack Cohn. That's funny. So let's remember that, like, right, TCU, Jerry Dome, it's a neutral site, but it's 15 miles from TCU's campus in Fort Worth. That was reason. And then Nick Bosa gets hurt in the second quarter. And it's okay. It turns out okay. Now, again, TCU 15th at the time, Paper Tiger. They finished 7-6 and six that year. So maybe Oregon's that. I don't know. From the 614, TCU without Urban was one of the most nervous I can remember. Playing a team that could even play with Ohio State without Urban was nerve-wracking. 
How was the team going to react if they went down early and their normal commander wasn't there to motivate? And Dwayne was a first-year starter against that weird 4-2-5 defense that TCU runs. Little did I know it was instead going to turn into a great audition for Coach Day. Really smart texts to bring up those times when people were nervous and it turned out okay. This was a good one. Underrated Washington State no 2 from the 614. Both Texas games, that's 05 and 06, had me amped up with nerves and anticipation. USC slightly less. Washington State in 2002 was big. They were top 15 and they went to the Rose Bowl. We were unsure how good Ohio State was. I felt this was a possible turning point game. Were we good or not? Jason Gesser at quarterback was an early Heisman hopeful. Think about that. Think about the the complete change of Ohio State football if they don't beat Washington State in 2002. Washington State went on to finish 10-3, 10th in the country. They were 10th at the time. Ohio State won 25-7 in Columbus. Huge. Here's a point that we want to get to that I think is interesting about Oregon. From this 3-6-1, honestly, this Oregon game isn't as scary because of their quarterback situation. Out-of-conference games that were scary were the USC games and the Vince Young-Texas game. Justin Herbert's not there. That matters. But I will say, and we're going to get into this with Texas, in 2006, Vince Young in 2005 coming to the shoe was a big deal. 2006, Vince Young is gone. Texas is the defending national champion. Ohio State-Texas is one versus two in the second week of the season in Austin. Colt McCoy taking over for Vince Young. And he didn't know. Ohio State didn't have a problem that day, but you didn't know. You didn't know what maybe Colt McCoy might do to Ohio State that day. Now, here is another valuable point that I feel having covered so much of the Trestle era. And I think this is legit. And I think this is smart. The idea that... um, You just don't feel as nervous because of the talent in this era from the 7-4-0. Recently, I was sort of nervous against Texas with Trestle. For the Cooper era, it was USC. and the Bruce era, everyone, especially any Southern school. My memory of the second Oklahoma game in 83 was a lot of nerves and pure joy on the result. 83, again, that's that Oklahoma game. Beat number two, Oklahoma. But I never felt overmatched with Urban. Matters. From the 513, I'm not worried about Oregon. It was Texas and USC back in the Trestle days. With Urban, you always felt confident going into a game. Same with Ryan Day. That was not the case with Tress. And I want to maybe do some Jim Trestle stuff on some upcoming pods. Because I think it's an interesting era to analyze. But I do think that feeling is a little bit different. And I understand that. I want to get to Notre Dame quickly because Notre Dame in the mid-90s was really big. And I think if you're a younger fan who didn't experience that firsthand exactly, right? Because it's like 25 years ago now. 1995, Notre Dame's number 15. Ohio State wins 45-26. Notre Dame goes on to finish 11th in the country. 1996, it's at number 5, Notre Dame. Ohio State wins 29-16. Notre Dame goes on to finish 8-3, 19th in the country. From the 419, back-to-back years playing Notre Dame with Lou Holtz leading them. I was living in Columbus at the time, but originally from Northwest Ohio, right on the state line. Notre Dame fans everywhere, and we were all ready for those games. Very nervous because of the Cooper record in big games. Hyped up big time, and it was so fun. Buckeyes winning both were awesome as well. That's from Jason. So we want to remember the times when it was a really cool game that was big, and it went well. 
from the 614. Two answers, Notre Dame and 95. I don't know that I've seen hype for a game like that. It was scary because we hadn't played them in 60 years and got beat the time before. That was at the tail end of Notre Dame being Notre Dame in college football. There was absolutely no one else like them, especially in the Midwest. Such energy, and I was convinced we would lose the next year in Notre Dame. I thought this would be our only chance in my lifetime. Imagine a team coming into Ohio State and the fandom feeling back on its heels. Wouldn't happen today. Notre Dame did that to Ohio State, yet Ohio State won. Great, great text from the 614. From the 440, Ohio State, Notre Dame in the shoot 1995. We hadn't played them in 60 years. People under 40 won't understand that the Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz coached Irish were elite like we are now, and we were anything but. We rickrolled them in the second half, then went to their house and did it again the following year. At the end of 96, the Irish realized they were no, no longer quite elite and fired Holtz, so he wouldn't break Newt Rockney's win records. They have not been as good since they were under Holtz. From the 3-1-0, both 90s Notre Dame, Notre Dame games were huge. First time playing since the 30s, Notre Dame was really good and a much bigger recruiting rival at the time. And just the fun of Lou Holtz saying all his ridiculous things he would say before big games. So again, we have some downtime. If you didn't live through that, and I didn't live through that, I was not an Ohio State fan growing up. I was just graduating from college then. I wasn't covering Ohio State. I was not intimately involved with Ohio State Notre Dame. Go back and experience some of that. Okay, so Oregon's not that. Oregon's not Notre Dame. And Oregon is not Oklahoma, Texas, and USC. And that's what we're going to get into next. I think the the most interesting non-conference games for Ohio State in the modern era. I'll be right back with that on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk and really looking at this stretch, right, that Tress had. Woof. Unforgiving. 2005, Ohio State plays number two Texas, loses. 2006, Ohio State plays number two Texas, wins. 2008, Ohio State plays number one USC, loses. 2009, Ohio State plays number three USC, loses. Five, six, eight, nine. Four out of five years, they're playing a top three team in the non-conference. Think about it. Like, Urban had a great start. 24-0 for Urban. In 12 and 13, wasn't playing USC in Texas. 2016, number 14, Oklahoma win. 2017, number five, Oklahoma lose. I think those are the three that stand out in the modern era. And these are, Oregon is not that. I think it's fair to say Oregon is not that. So whatever we do as we place it in context, let's remember that. Let's all agree on that because that's the whole vibe. I was going to tally up the toughest games, but it was so clearly there there was a a segment of, of textures who were big-time fans for Notre Dame in the mid-90s. But if you weren't that, it's Oklahoma, USC, Texas. And I get that. It's, this just does not feel like that. And especially we'll get into that with USC. The 9-1-0, again, the question, what were you nervous for? The games you were nervous for in the non-conference. From the 9-1-0, Oklahoma the year after we beat them in Norman. I knew Baker was a great college quarterback and that the whole team would be looking for revenge. We ended up getting our butts kicked. So I guess I was correct in being worried. This is not that, but... Maybe be if the 2020 game happens and Ohio State beats Oregon, maybe keep your your ears up for Oregon coming in 2021. From the 503, Mick and Vancouver. A few years ago, I was nervous for the first game at Oklahoma, which the Buckeyes won. I wasn't nearly as nervous for the game at home the next season, which of course they lost. Had more confidence in the defense the second game, and they couldn't take down the mighty fighting Mayfields. I'm sure we got screwed by the ref somehow, ha. Huh? From the 3-3-0, I would say Oklahoma in 16. Lots of unknowns about that team and wasn't sure how they would perform. The way that game went gave me a false confidence going into 17 against Oklahoma. I actually feel pretty good going to Oregon. New QB, and I just don't have a lot of respect for the Pac-12. 
From the 262 at Oklahoma in 16, I was at my cousin's wedding, and we were literally were watching the game throughout the reception on my iPhone. Jerome Baker's INT pick six was quite a memorable moment on that day. Some good personal moments here as people remember this. You know, I mean, these big games, you remember where you were. From the 513, I was petrified for the 16 Oklahoma game in Norman. About five minutes in, that all washed away, but it's funny because I was so overly confident going into the 17 rematch in the shoe, and it ended up being not pretty. Funny how things like that work out. From the 937, sorry for the long text. The most nerve-wracking non-conference game for me in recent memory would be the home-and-home series with Oklahoma. Going into the 16 game at Oklahoma, I was really nervous facing a top national power on the road. The other out-of-conference games I can remember being nervous for would be 08 USC and 05 Texas with Vince Young. Going into the 2020 season, I'm actually not too concerned with Oregon just because I think Ohio State will have the best offense in the nation and fields will be great. So that's Oklahoma. This is not Oklahoma because there's more expected of this 2020 Ohio State team. That 16 team was, according to Phil Steele's stats, remember this, going into 16, they were, by by returning games and experience, the youngest team in the country. And to go on the road at win in Oklahoma in 16 was unbelievable. They had lost Joey Bosa on defense, but you got a sense that was when Tyquan Lewis and Sam Hubbard. I remember he's standing out like in the in like the where the buses pull up, talking to Sam Hubbard about like how did you guys do this? And it was like, you know, what what young guys can say in moments like that, which is like, well, we knew we were this good. You guys just didn't know it. And I like when players say that kind of stuff once they've backed it up. That's what that sixteen team was. So like you, it was um, going to Oklahoma. Right? I mean, Baker was already starting to become Baker. That felt like a little bit like going into the lion's den. And then it was the crazy lightning storm and all that stuff. But like going with a team that young, I think you were almost like assuming that they, it's like, well, they're going to go to Oklahoma and lose. And then we'll see what happens after that. So this is not that. But as much as we sometimes criticize the way that 16 season ended for that team with a shutout loss to Clemson. Just think about how you felt before that 16 game at Oklahoma and really how impressive that was in the end. So let's do Texas. 05-06 from the 619. Two games come to mind. 2005 Texas. I really thought we were going to win that game. I just thought our defense was too good, but alas, Vince Young was a generational type talent. That and Trestle playing the quarterback flip-flop game all, all game long. I still don't get why they wanted Zwick to succeed so bad. Next is 2017 Oklahoma. I was on my honeymoon in Croatia on a Windstar cruise, and I couldn't watch the game. I woke up outside of Cotra Montenegro and just had a bad feeling in my gut about the game. I told my wife I needed to go to the lounge to look at the box score on the computers they had. I was just scared that our offense was still not with it, and that turns out to have been the case. Glad I didn't have to actually watch it. That sounds like a cool honeymoon. Montenegro. Texas in 06 from the 513. Texas on the road in 06. The young defense going to Austin with a high-powered offense. Also going to USC in 08 was scary in advance, and that proved to be right. Big knock on wood, but I'm not scared going to Oregon this year. Should be fun and a good win. That's what I want to talk about with this Texas thing. Again, everybody remembers Ohio State-Michigan at the end of 2006 was one versus two. The second game of the year was also one versus two. Ohio State was number one with everybody back from 05. Almost everybody that mattered. Texas had lost Vince Young, but they were defending national champs, and you thought, well, they still have some pieces, and this Colt McCoy guy is supposed to be good. There was a lot of angst with that game. And again, Ohio State went and got it done. And 
I do think it's different. Here's why it's different than Oregon. But first from the 614, Ohio State versus Texas 05. Vince Young at home, but a scary matchup for sure. And we lost. Anyone scared of Vince Young in 05 was right. From the 3-3-0, on the road at Texas, going against Colt McCoy the year after Texas won the national title, and we lost in a nail-biter the prior year. People forget that we gave Texas as good of a game as USC that season. No, I think a lot of people do remember, I've always said, that Ohio State team lost twice that year. They lost to Texas, they lost to Penn State. Texas finished one, Penn State finished three. If it had been a playoff era and your playoff, rather than being like the game of the century between USC and Texas, first it had been like Texas-Ohio State rematch in the semifinal, and USC Penn State would have been great. From the 937, I remember sitting in my library of, at my high school reading the game preview in the Springfield News Sun on the Friday before the 05 Texas game, getting a bigger and bigger knot in my stomach about that game. I commented to my friend that I thought whoever won that game was going to win the national championship, and I was right. I like stories about people reading newspapers. From the 734, uh, no, we already got Marlon on that. That was a good one, Marlon. From the 513, Texas at home. Thought we had a chance that year to run the table, but nervous because Troy had been suspended for the opener. And I knew Texas was loaded. Amazing game for that to be Doug's first. Yes, from the 513. If you followed me long enough, and as you know, I like to talk about myself, my first game covering Ohio State. They hired me late. I didn't cover the opener. I was not a full time employee yet of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. I covered it as a freelancer. I worked my last day in Wilmington, Delaware on that Friday in 2005. I flew to Ohio on that Saturday morning on planes filled with Ohio State fans, and I covered that primetime game. It was the first. I had been in Ohio Stadium. I was like walking through it when I was driving through Ohio one time. But the first game I ever attended in Ohio Stadium was the Vince Young loss in 2005 as I covered it. And then on that Monday was my first day as a full-time employee for the Cleveland Plain Dealer. 513. Good email from the 513. Thanks for remembering that. You get bonus points for remembering my life because I have a terrible memory. And sometimes I can't remember uh, my own life. From the 585. Nope, not that one. That was the Alabama Saban joke. Sorry. From the 719. Dan in Virginia, I know you only asked for one answer, but the answer to your question is 2005 at home against Texas. I think that's what made that game so heartbreaking. I was pretty sure Vince Young was too good. But they could have, should have won that game. Thanks, Ryan Hamby. It was very similar to the feeling I had after the Clemson game this year. That's a great comparison. That's why I wanted to get to this text from 719. Utter surprise, extreme hope and excitement, and really heartbreaking disappointment. Really smart comparison. I think there is a lot of similarities between that. From the 239, when Vince Young came to town in 05, I was only 11 at the time, but I knew back then how amazing he was, and I knew that was going to be an extremely hard game. So that's not what this is, and that's why this is different. I'm not going to try to tell you otherwise. I would advise you to respect Oregon. I would advise you to not have too much of a backlash against the Oregon pod. I would advise you to respect Oregon. But the real issue for Ohio State in the non-conference is when they play teams that recruit at their level and there aren't that many. But when you play Oklahoma in a home-and-home, when you play USC in 2008 and 2009 in a home-and-home, when you play Texas in 05 and 06 in a home-and-home, you're playing a team with players across the board as good as yours, and sometimes better. And how often have you felt that? As an Ohio State fan, it's almost a foreign feeling now. Maybe I guess it happens a little bit against Clemson, but do you feel... I know I said last year, it was like, don't be scared of Clemson. Don't be scared. So people, I get it. 
maybe were, but really, it's not that you felt Clemson was all that much better with talent, but that they were certainly equal. They had areas maybe where they were better, but there was an era, right? To remember the era when Ohio State was great, and they were great under Jim Tressel, but in games like these, when you're facing USC, 2006-2007, Ohio State plays in the national title game, yet going on the road to USC in 2008, you thought to yourself, how can they win this? From the 614, this person said that 08 USC game. The game was a week after I got married, and the trip to the game was a surprise gift from my new bride, sort of our honeymoon. I remember when she told me that I had to act like I was excited because I knew we were going to get smoked. Can you imagine that feeling now? Would you feel that in any game that you get a tickets to an Ohio State game as a gift and part of what you feel is dread because you're worried the Buckeyes are going to get smoked? The team that had been in the last two national title games, you're worried they're going to get smoked. And guess what? You were right. Foreign feeling now from the 937. USC, Beanie was out. Beckman was starting. Obvious ending in sight with Terrell Pryor taking over, right? Eventually knew it was going to be awful, and it was worse than I thought. 35 to 3, right? Who doesn't remember that score? 35 to 3. From the 804, in recent memory, I would have to say the USC series made me really nervous before, during, and after. USC was riding the coattails of their two, three-year period of destroying everyone, but still felt like a very formidable opponent. What made me most nervous was Ohio State's offense. Basically, this was my whole relationship with Trussell Ball. Defense was pretty constant every year, but the offense got a little hairy for a number of years. Plus, we were in that weird period where it felt like Ohio State couldn't beat big-time teams out of the Big Ten. Flip this to Urban, and I didn't feel like this at all. Urban just bleeds confidence and made you believe. I felt like Ohio State was going to beat Oklahoma in both those games. Certainly didn't expect them to kick butt by that much at Oklahoma and for them to beat for Oklahoma to beat Ohio State at home, but that happens. That person gets it, right? USC in 09. I would have to say USC early in the 09 season. At the time, Ohio State was getting absolutely crushed by the national sports media, coming off three straight seasons with embarrassing showings on the national stage. This is a great text from the 415. And that was driving me nuts. Early in the 09 season, they hosted Ohio State in the shoe. At night, in front of a raucous crowd, I thought it was as good of an opportunity the Buckeyes could ask for to regain some national respect. USC had, a lot of, had lost a lot of great players from their stacked 08 team and was starting a true freshman quarterback in Matt Barkley. I was so nervous going into the game because I thought if the Buckeyes can't salvage their national reputation here, under these circumstances, they might never do it under Jim Tressel. Of course, the Buckeyes lost another out-of-conference heartbreaker when Barkley, the freshman, drove the Trojans 90 yards in the final minutes to win. Up until the Clemson game a few months ago, that 9 USC game was the most heartbroken I had ever felt after an OSU loss. At that point, I was so frustrated with Trestle coming up short in the national stage, but thankfully, Senator Trestle was then able to string together three consecutive big out-of-conference wins, Oregon in the 9 Rose Bowl, Miami in the 10 regular season, and Arkansas in the 10 Sugar Bowl before he left the program. From the 415. That's a great text. You relate to that. And that is maybe where there are similarities here. Okay. In that, Ohio State was facing a USC team with a young quarterback. They had lost Mark Sanchez and a lot of those guys from the year before. Oregon had lost Justin Herbert. So you underestimate, we place so much of our analysis of Ohio State opponents on their quarterback that sometimes if you don't. If you aren't worried about the quarterback, you just sort of 
give a blanket, I'm not worried about anything else. And I think that can be a mistake. Matt Barkley wasn't great in that game. The final score is 18-15. But he was young. He had talent around him. <coughs> Excuse me. And he was good enough in the end to find a way to get it done. Right? Colt McCoy in 06 wasn't good enough. And that, that 06 Ohio State team was too good. But don't automatically dismiss Oregon because of the quarterback deal. That would be part of my advice. While also telling you, absolutely, Oregon is not USC, Texas, or Oklahoma because they don't recruit at that level. From the 216, I was particularly nervous about the USC game at USC. I knew our offense would do nothing against Clay Matthews and that group. From the 909, probably the trip to USC. I live out here in Southern California. USC was flying high with Pete Carroll. By the way, the one game I will never forgive Trestle for blowing is the USC game in Columbus in 09. 216, USC 08 was definitely the most nervous. Beanie had some kind of injury against a loaded opponent. I remember that. So we're standing out there, and it's like teams, I don't, you don't do it anymore, but it was sort of like going to the walkthrough was more of a thing back then. I remember being in the Coliseum. And we were standing like on this truck ramp, waiting for the Buckeyes to show up to sort of walk down into the stadium just to sort of like experience the stadium for the first time. So you don't come in on the day of the game and look around and be like, wow, here we are. And it was all about his being going to play, his being going to play. And I think we thought he was going to play and then he wound up not playing. But it was like such a big thing of like, here's a super talented guy. He's the only hope you have. But it felt like watching them walk down that ramp into that stadium it felt like they are not going to win this you watched a group of ohio state players get off a bus walk into a stadium and as i stood there and watched them in my fourth year on the beat my feeling was they are not going to win they felt like underdogs and as we talk about, like we talked about in the Friday pod, is Ohio's did Urban Meyer underachieve and all this. The idea that how often do your Buckeyes feel like underdogs to you? And not just like maybe they're not favored on the point spread, but that you feel like, I don't know how they're going to win. That's what you felt, especially once being in play, but you felt, I don't know how they're going to win. And then they run the wheel route early in the game. Boom, it's over 35 to three. And like, don't you have the vision of like Mark Sanchez kind of like joking around on the sideline and having a good time late in the game? And you looked at that as an Ohio State fan and you thought, we're not them. This is not a fluke. I have no idea how Ohio State would beat a program like that. That was in 2008. That's only 12 years ago. And can you imagine feeling that now? So yeah, this Oregon game is not going to be, not going to be easy. It's so different than that. From the 6-1-4 USC in 08, Oklahoma intrigued me more than scared me. And we had won so soundly that I wasn't incredibly worried when they came to Columbus. Um, the other games, I recall, were scheduled so far in advance that by the time Ohio State finally played them, the opponent was not nearly as good. Washington, Cal, that kind of thing. But Oregon will definitely be a fun change of pace. USC 2008, I believe Chris Spielman was calling out the offensive line for playing soft against Ohio and Beanie was nicked up. This was still in the wake of the LSU National Championship loss and how Ohio State could compete with elite teams. I remember just hoping that it wouldn't be a blowout. Pre-butt fumble Mark Sanchez made Ohio State look silly. Trestle reinvented himself at the 2010 Rose Bowl and the offense was pretty good the following season. Much like 31-0 was the nail in the Warner Beck coffin, USC was the start of the final nail and the Trestle 10-7 win was good enough coffin. That's a really good text. 
From the 937, for me, it was USC around 2009. At that point, it was really starting to feel like Ohio State couldn't win a game against elite national teams outside the Big Ten. That's from Jared D. Imagine. 443, 2008 USC, that team was more or less the Alabama of that era. And Ohio State was the over overachiever of 2007 that stumbled into the national championship game through chaos. Without Beanie Wells, it felt like there was no shot to win. From the 412 USC and 08, Beckman scared me at quarterback, and it didn't feel like we had the talent on offense to keep up with theirs. So much talent on their side after we continued to get beat by the elite college teams in the game. And from the 858, first off, so I'm very nervous about the Oregon game this year. This is Colin. Besides that, it was 2008 USC. Boy, was I right to be nervous. Yes, you were. So I get it. I wanted to put context to this. And so I would say that this Oregon game to me is anything that's the cut below USC, Texas, and Oklahoma. Anything the cut below that. 2018, TCU was 15th. Ohio State wins. 2010, Miami was 12th. Ohio State wins. 2003, North Carolina State was 24th. Ohio State wins. 2003, also 2003, number 17, Washington. Ohio State wins. 2002, number 10, Washington State. Ohio State wins. So the last time, I'm putting USC, Texas, Oklahoma in a separate category. The last time Ohio State lost a game like this, and and Virginia Tech wasn't ranked in 14, so they're not on this list. They weren't ranked. So that's fair to compare that, right? That was at home. That was a little bonkers, though. I mean, that's like no Braxton, JT's second game, Navy the week before. But a ranked team that wasn't super elite that they lost to, 2001, Trestle's first season at number 14, UCLA. Ohio State loses 13-6. to UCLA finishes 7-4. and So there's some context. Respect them. Don't fear them. Thanks for listening. Nathan and Steven back with me on the Tuesday pod. Big Wednesday pod, Buffalo preview this week. New plans about making some bold predictions and getting texters involved. Drop the review at Apple Podcasts, readcleveland.com slash OSU. Um, we're going to keep in- including you guys a lot more. So thank you so much for listening. I'm going to chill out a little bit. I know some people like the rants, but there's a time and a place. And I'm going to try to be nice. And if I have rage, I'll just knock food out of people's hands. All right, Nathan and Steven back on Tuesday. For now, I'm Doug Maurice. Appreciate you guys. And that was Buckeye Talk.